If we're talking about the one thing, I would say that networking and partnerships combined took me from zero to a hundred really quickly. I have purchased a good amount of property by myself, but the only reason I've been able to do that is because of the partnerships that I did when I was first starting. Partnering for me was enormous because I didn't grow up in a wealthy environment where I had a disposable income. I got really good at finding deals. People know me as like the guy who has deals. And so I got really good at finding multifamily deals in a handful of markets in the Northeast. I would take those deals and bring them to people who had capital or bring them to people who had experience. I was able to scale really quickly. And I've also brought every one of those partners like five to 10 deals each since then. I know that they look at me a little much differently than they would have just any other person bring them a deal. And, and by doing that, I was able to you know start driving my income up, which allowed me to then start buying things on my own. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. My name is Jamie Gruber. I'm your host, along with my not-so-good-looking co-host, Grant Warrington. Say hi, Grant. You are jealous, like I say all the time. I'm happy to be here, excited to jump into this, by the way, and can't wait to hear from Ryan. Can you can you tell me what I'm jealous of first? Uh, first of all, maybe the hair. I think that one be, might be a good indicator. I uh, wish I had gray hair. Height, okay, keep going. Maybe the height. I wish I was these, lanky and gangly. Okay, continue. And maybe these, maybe the tan. What tan? Well, skin color. <laughs> and and maybe the good looks. So I think I, I think I named enough. Well, I think you you appropriately said maybe before each and every one of those things. So you know deep down that yeah. those are all doubtful. That's kind of like let you players. decide. Well, think about it. Football players like questionable. You know, that's the the injury report for the week. It's like, yeah, they might not show up. I think that's where we are. All of what you just said, highly questionable. Got it. You think about those though. All that's right. your homework for the week. All right. Whatever. Hey, folks, subscribe, like, comment. Uh, it helps us with the show. Drop a five star rating and review. We can grow this podcast as big as we can. And if you're interested in joining Abundance at any level, millionaire or not, just go to abundance.com. Fill out an application and uh, we will be in touch with you. We've got a community for you. All right. We got a cool guest today. I love and I'm jealous. Talk about jealousy of guys that are like, you know, barely out of the womb that have already had more financial success than I have. So our guest today, Ryan Corcoran, I, I, I dubbed him the pride of Warren, Rhode Island. He's a New Englander already near and dear to my heart because I, uh, I, I see that as my, my real home. Uh, Boston is home for me. Uh, he's a multifamily investor. He's done a ton of stuff, and he's only 28 years old. GoBundance member, GoBundance brother of mine. Welcome, Ryan Corcoran. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this. This should be this should be fun. Let's yeah, let's wait on that. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Uh, first and foremost, any relation to Barbara? Dude, so many people ask me that, and I really I wish I could say well, yes. I want to just get it out of the way. Just start. <laughs> I wish that. I could say yes. I'd probably be a lot further along if I was, but no, I'm not. <laughs> it's almost like there was a movie with Eddie Murphy where he like took his name was the same as like a dead politician, so he just used it, and then he can he got elected. You should do that with Corcoran. Just everything Corcoran, people will think you're Barbara. Anyway, uh, let's hear about this. So, 28 years old, you're you're you you've got a bunch of stuff all over New England, New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, all of that. Um, how did you begin in this? Is this what you've always done? Did you have a job at some point? You go to college, kind of give us the, give us the backstory. Sure. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> I, I've been doing this for probably two, when I started when I was 21. Um, but 
I only did like a deal a year from 21 to 25. And then I started picking up the pace. But before all that, you know, I had a family member, my uncle actually owned a construction company. And I remember uh, one day just talking to him, like, listen, how, you know, you travel all over the place. You don't have a nine to five job. Everyone else in our family does like, like, what are you doing differently? Like, what is it that you do that nobody else in the family does? Um, and he was like, you know, I, I buy real estate. I build real estate. I rent, you know, uh, I rent real estate. I have a multifamily property. I flip property. And I'm like, very interesting. Hmm. Uh, so I, I ended up just, you know, every weekend for a couple months, uh, just meeting with him and simultaneously reading a ton of books on, on real estate. And I, I fell in love with the idea of multifamily property. And so, uh, when I was 21, I borrowed $110,000 from him and $10,000 from my parents. And I bought a duplex and uh, with my parents' help, friends' help, family's help, I fixed it up and uh, held it for a little bit. And I was making six or 700 bucks a month in cash flow while I was in school on a duplex, um, which was paying for me for food, for it was literally paying for me to live while everyone else was working on the weekends. Um, I'm like, this is so interesting. Then I sold it and I walked away with a check the size of my PA salary when I was going to be done uh, uh, PA school. And I'm like, all right, there's something to this. Uh, and so from there, I took the two family and I bought a three family uh, and then I bought a uh, five unit, then a nine unit. And then I just, I just kept rolling it into, into the next one. Um, along the way, I've brought in a bunch of partners. I've met a ton of people. I've networked with a ton of people and, um, you know, got to the point now where I stepped away from my full-time job uh, over a year ago uh, in medicine. And now I do uh, real estate full-time. Um, we've got a little over 200 units. We do anywhere between 10 and 15 flips a year, um, a couple wholesales, five to 10 wholesales a year. And then uh, we're actually doing a development deal right now as well. So um, yeah, we're, we're cruising along, um, dabbling in different fields in real estate, trying to figure out you know, which one we, you know, we really love. But the bread and butter is multifamily and, and likely always will be. Uh, wow. So. All right. So there were, I want to talk about the first deal, the 110 from one, 10 from the other, and then kind sure. of build it from there, but go back a step on the, for me on the, um, the, uh, meeting every weekend. Mm-hmm. How did you, uh, was, was there any ask in that? Did you just show up? I'm, I'm curious about this because I, I know I talked to a lot of people and I, I don't yeah. know how quite to answer them sometimes when they say, how do I get a mentor? How do I, how do I, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Can you give me a little bit in that? Just kind of dig in. Was it as simple as like, ah, I knew him and I just showed up or was there some intentionality there? How did you do it? So, you know, my uncle's been one of many, many mentors along the way. And so, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're lucky to have your uncle as a, you know, who was in real estate. And when I look at, when I look back and I, I think to myself, like, you know what, hundred percent, I'm super grateful he was my uncle, but if he wasn't my uncle, I would have found somebody else and I would have done the exact same thing. And what I found is that a lot of guys who have a lot of success in real estate are, are actually really eager to give back and teach people, but they need to see that that person is number one motivated, which a lot of people are. But number two, that they, they're going to bring some sort of value to them. And so for me, it was, okay, my uncle, I know my uncle has capital. I know he's getting older. He's in his 60s. He, he, lends out to, he lends money all the time. So my thought was, okay, if I find a deal, I'm going to bring the opportunity his way. So not only can he feel gratitude by helping his nephew out, but he can also make some money out of this too. Right. And so um, that's really how I got the first one. But meeting with him every weekend, I, I, I'd love to say that that was on me. Um, he really was, you know, um, 
he wanted to see me succeed because nobody else in my family had shown the entrepreneurial drive to to really try to do something different other than go to school and you know get a nine to five job. Um, but if we're going to talk about just mentors in general, a lot of the mentors that I've had, I've had to bring like massive value to them before I got anything back in return. And so we can get into that later, you know, we're talking about networking and stuff. But a, a lot of the times it was me bringing a deal to somebody and partnering with them. And then from there, really learning from that person over the next you know, couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years. Uh, and, and really, that's how most of my men- mentorships have been built. That makes sense. I, I think you you probably showed him though through activity and action, right? I mean, because there's a lot of people that want a mentor, and sometimes you know it's like, do you deserve a mentor, right? Because if you're going to waste an hour of my time, and then I never see you again, and you never do another thing, you must yeah. have just shown him like, dude, this kid's going to do what he says. I think maybe I played it down a little bit. So when I thought initially that I was going to go, I was like, my mom, actually, my mom was the one who told me to meet with him, right? So I thought to myself, how can I meet with a professional in a space when I know nothing about it? And so I went out and read 26 books in like, like three months. It was literally like a three month period. Every single day, I was just cranking out a bunch of books, right? And so then when I went to speak with him, when he was talking to me about, you know, doing a refinance and pulling cash out and, you know, just talking, just like terms, I was at least familiar with them. And I understood what he was talking about. So I could actually engage. And at that point, you know, he was like, okay, so, you know, your, you know, you know, your stuff, like you, you are, you know, you're already one step ahead of the game here. Um, so yeah, I, 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 that was probably the first um, step that he probably saw like, okay, he's super motivated to, you know, he's showing a lot of drive, like he's actually going to get this done. So and that, that excites someone. Like if I see someone like that, I'm like, wow, I will pour into you. I will help you. Like I'm excited by that. Cause we don't see that very often, do we? Well, a lot of the times you get questions like, Hey man, like I need help. Will you help me? And it's yeah. like, okay, I would love to help you, but how many people can I actually do that for? Right. So whenever people come to me now and they say, you know, Hey, um, can you teach me how to do a burr? I say, go read three books. And then when you're done reading those books, um, chat with me. So you at least have some knowledge about the things I'm going to say, because it's really hard to teach someone something if they don't have a base knowledge about it before you come into an advanced conversation. I'm a big fan of that uh, barrier to entry. Like when I, when I was, Mm -hmm. you know, going from, you talked about building a brand. We talked before we started recording about, Mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 uh, how you could scale your business through building a brand and leveraging social media and all that stuff. And we can get into that, but when I left my job is when I really started to push on the brand. I had somewhat of a brand before, but then started to push. And it was always like, yeah, hey, however I can help, right? But I didn't have that much incoming. When the incoming ticked up and it was like, I don't have enough, I don't have the time or the bandwidth to just get on phone calls with as many people. I started to become like almost resentful of people even asking, like annoyed, right? Like, oh, so what? So you could just pick my brain for 30 minutes, then do nothing with it. Like that's kind of mm-hmm. what my mind. So I put something in place. You mentioned like three books. Even sometimes I'd be like, hey, I'm really busy, kick, you know touch back with me in three to four months. No one does except that one guy. And when that one guy does calendars it and actually even that, right? Like you've earned it. You, you've earned time. I'm not saying like, you know, you've earned my time, but you've earned time. You've absolutely have earned the, 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 the time for me to sit down and have a conversation and see where maybe I can help you. So I love having that barrier to entry, which is essentially what you're doing, right? Yeah, I think that's awesome. I just someone just did this recently and I I it might have been, I don't know if it's you or somebody else I heard this from. It was, you know, reach back to me in a month or something like that. So somebody had reached out to me um who works with my dad 
And he had reached out to me. Of course, my dad gave him my number. So he's been texting me off like off the wall. And I'm like, listen, man, I'm super busy for this month. I'm going to be traveling. Text me in a month. And he, yeah. you know, he texted me like the day I look back, it was the day of down to a T one month later. And I'm like, okay, like he's, he, you know, he's serious. Right. So now, okay, I'm going to give him my time up here a little bit and chat with him and see, and see what he's all about. Um, ended up being a super motivated kid. Will it ever lead to something? Who knows? Um, but yeah, just stuff like that. I, I agree with the barrier to entry. Yeah, that's a great, that's mm-hmm. a great point. I love that. Yeah, we'll talk more about networking and how you built your how you built your your uh, portfolio and everything. But that first deal, real quick, can we, can we dive into that? So, hundred and ten from one, ten from the other. How did you structure that deal? Give us kind of the was it debt? Was it equity? Were your partners? How did that work? Sure. So, um, well, first of all, this was in two thousand. Was it seventeen? Or I, I don't remember the seventeen. I think um, so. I could find a deal in the MLS. Okay, so this deal was on the MLS and then it fell off the MLS and then it came back on the market. And so when I saw it come back on the market, I'm like, okay, something must be odd with this. Um, you know, maybe a bank isn't financing it or there's an inspection issue, whatever. Um, and so I went to go look at it, but I brought my uncle with me. And after we walked the property, we, you know, we talked about the whole thing and he was like, listen, I think this is a good opportunity for you. Um, how much money do you have? And I'm like, 5,000 bucks. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> he was like, so how do you plan on buying it? I'm like, I have no idea. And he's like, all right, well, I'll tell you what, I will lend you, um, I'll lend you 110,000. You put the other five down. I'm going to like, and then I was like, well, I'm going to have no money left. Um, but I didn't, I didn't tell him that. Right. I'm like, absolutely. Uh, sign me up. Um, yeah. And so from there, I ended up confessing to my parents. I'm like, guys, I'm going to put all my money into this. Like I'm going to have nothing. I was still living with them at the time. And they were like, don't worry about it. You know, we're, we've seen you work, you're working hard at this, you know, uh, um, you know, we'll spot you for a little bit. And so they ended up spotting me the, the $10,000. So my uncle actually held the note. Um, so we made a cash offer. He held the note for me. Um, I put $5,000 down and my parents spotted me the 10 while we fixed it up. Uh, then after we got it rented and then ultimately I sold the property It ended up paying off the note to my uncle. And then I paid my parents back um, like 30 something thousand, um, just as a, as a thank you. And, a um, you know, thanks for letting me <laughs> do Thanks for letting me live yeah. in your house and buy a property at 21. <laughs> yeah. Right. For cleaning up my spit when I was a kid for letting me puke yeah. on you. Here's an extra 20 grand. Hope it was worth it. <laughs> I love it, man. You know, um, uh, the, Oh God, you said something in there that just made me, made me, made me kind of like, uh, 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 oh, you said yes. That's what it was. That made me perk up. Like yeah. the the, I think that's such a great point about like you know he said I'll give you the hundred ten grand and you had immediately like a, a why not that popped into your head right like oh five grand I only have five grand I'll, I'll be all out of money I don't know it's like you you resisted saying that and just said yes and then figured it out mm-hmm. as you went along so I think that's a key trait for, for that that you have to I, have. Okay. I agree. I think at the time I was probably super naive to what would happen if I actually had no money and I was owning real estate because yeah. I quickly realized that, okay, I bought this property and the boiler went immediately. So that's yeah. $6,000 and then another two grand for the oil tank. And I hadn't even touched the unit yet. And yeah. so, um, thank God my parents were there to back me up. Right. But moving forward into more deals, I've done things very similar to that where I'll, you know, have somebody hold a note or I'll raise a bunch of private capital and I'll go just creative financing to take deals down and being in a position where you don't have capital, um, it's super stressful. 
And it, it was a couple years of that, right? Like the first two to three years of building a real estate portfolio. I mean, I was like really drawing a thin line. Like there was one point in time in all honesty, I had like less than two grand in my bank and I had like 30 units. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I really need to focus on, okay, how do I get more cash in the bank? And so after that, my strategy sort of switched a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's how the first one went. And it was fantastic because <laughs> yeah. two years later, you know, I was able to pad, uh, you know, I had like 30 grand in the bank after that. And I'm like, this is the wealthiest I've ever been. I'm 22 and I'm 20, almost 23. This is great. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a good first experience. And if I didn't say yes to that, I would not be here today. That's uh, it. You, so. you have to, it, the, 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 the fact that you did it, and you, this is the thing, like I talked to, I talked to, you know, novice investors and new investors, people who want to get in the game or whatever, and they want all the answers to all the things that could go wrong. They want everything checked off. You know, I always say like they listen to every bigger pockets episode ever, and they've got a laundry list of all the mistakes every person on, on every episode has ever made. And right. every one of those mistakes become equal in terms of why it would cancel a deal. Like, you know, oh, uh, I forgot to do this is equal to, you know, the roof wasn't on the house and I didn't notice it, you know? So, right. so to do a deal is what reveals the reality of what it is to do a deal, right? Like you said, Oh, a furnace goes. I remember my, on one of mine, the, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, sewer line broke and backed up into the basement. And I didn't know, I didn't, I, in my mind, it's like, well, I'm not, it broke at the, it broke at the, uh, at the main the road, under the, the road. road, like that's yeah. their problem. How yeah. could that be my problem? Like, yeah, it's your problem <laughs> <laughs> unless it's the actual main. Like it broke yeah. like right on my on the pipe, right where it met the main. Oh, my problem for digging yeah. up the street, for relaying yeah. the sidewalk, for digging yeah. the pipe. My problem, and there's no insurance covering that, right? So right, right. you learn those lessons, uh, and you don't do that right. unless you say yes and you get to 30 units with $800 in the bank and all of that stuff. That's just the reality <laughs> of it, right? 100%. I couldn't agree anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> that's uh, I think a key piece is you have to do a deal to know what it's like to have done a deal. There's no there's no way to simulate it. So good for you, yeah. man, for, for yeah. driving that. Yeah, I think also also part of it was um, being 21. If I fell on my face, I, whatever, right? Like I was, I was, I'm, I'm very risk, and I, I'm like I have a very high risk tolerance, and I still do. I jump into things where even if I have like a gut feeling that it's going to work out, I will do it because again, I'm I don't have I don't have a I'm 28. I'm married, but I don't have kids, right? I I don't have a ton of responsibilities other than trying to grow a business, and so for me, it's. I will take risks and I've lost, I've lost money on risks and I've learned experiences from them as we all have. Um, but it's great because in the next time you just avoid that. Right. And you just, you start, you just keep focusing on uh, what actually works. So, yeah, I like, I love that, man. I, I, I wish I, I wish I had that mindset of 21, 22, because mine at 21, 22 is like, no, no, no I got to get secure. I got to get the job. I got to be mm -hmm. really risk averse, mm -hmm. you know, the whole thing. And I, it's just not my personality, but I learned that, you know, at 40 versus in, in my early twenties. So good for you. <laughs> Funny thing you said earlier about 2017 was still a time when you could get deals on MLS. That's what you were saying, right? I think there's a lot of people that were investing from like 2010 or 2011 that by 2017 said, well, yeah. back in 2011, you could actually get deals on MLS. So I wonder, I wonder today, you know, like in five years, people are gonna be like, wow, yeah, back in 2022, would you could actually get deals yeah. on MLS? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it really, yeah. I, it, honestly, it probably will be right. It, it's, I feel yeah. like that's sort of how it goes. Uh, but that's one of the only properties I've ever bought on the MLS. The rest of them have all been from direct mail, direct to seller, word of mouth, 
um, like 97% of the deals I buy are really from direct to seller um, methods. Let's dive in on this. When did the pivot to multifamily come? And what was the first sort of like, aha, was it a property purchase? Was it something somebody said? Like, what was the first aha moment on the multifamily scaling? The first, yeah. So the concept that I could own a property where I would get cash flow from, even if I had a vacancy, really um, sparked my interest. And it wasn't so much the two family, the three family. It was, it, I, I did a bunch of those, but it was really the, okay, if I have like five or six units and one unit goes out, I'm likely still net positive, or at least I'm breaking even, right? So it's not like, it's not coming out of my pocket, uh, you know, from my W-2 income to pay for this property. Then I'm going to hate real estate. I'm going to want nothing to do with this. I'm going to get frustrated. And so I started to pivot away from those twos and threes where if one unit was vacant, then I'd be, you know, negative on that building. Not to mention, I'd have to go paint the, you know, paint the apartment and replace light fixtures, whatever it is, right? So it's all, it's all the cash flow that you made. You're just, you're sinking right back in. And so for me, it was, okay, five, six, 10, you know, 20 unit buildings are much, honestly, safer in my opinion, because you can have vacancy and you can still be positive. And so that was the first aha moment of, okay, I'm going to go bigger with these things because I can, you know, not only can I manipulate the income on these and really manipulate the value of it. Um, instead of comparing it to the next building next door. Um, but I can also, you know, if I have a couple of vacancies, it's not the end of the world. And so, so that was the first aha moment into, um, let's go into the commercial multifamily space. Gotcha. What was the first commercial multifamily deal that you did and how did you finance it? Yeah. So we, it was a 10 unit property and actually a partner had brought the deal to me and we can talk, actually, let's back up for a second. I, I don't want to jump right into that yet. We, I started sending direct mail marketing when I was 20, after I bought that duplex, because I was like, okay, I can't make anything work really on the MLS, except for that one deal. It's like 125 grand. Every, anybody would have bought it. Um, and so I couldn't make anything work. So I stumbled upon, you know, bigger pockets and people send direct mail out. And so I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to try this. So I bought a printer, a couple pens, some paper, a bunch of envelopes and stamps. And I was writing, I wrote 750 letters by hand, stamped them all, put the label. It was unbelievable. Like I, my hand was cramping. Um, but I ended up getting a call back from one of those letters um, from a property manager who said, hey, are you from Lunenburg? And I was like, yeah, I'm from Lunenburg. He's like, you should reach out to so-and-so because um, he's a young guy too. And he's got 50 units already. And so I ended up calling that guy and that guy, his name is Mike and him and I have bought over 150 units together now. And so just from sending letters out of just a little of my time when I was younger, I met a partner who I've you know grown a business with. And so I think it's super powerful to, um, this goes back to networking, right? But just doing, just doing something, getting the ball rolling allowed me to meet somebody who, uh, you know, over the course of five, six years, I built this huge um, business with. Um, and he brought me that 10 unit deal. And that was the first commercial uh, deal that we actually did together. I didn't have to bring any money. I, my role was to raise the capital for that. And so I knew, I knew from my job and from, um, you know, just people I've met, I knew people who had some good sized pockets. And so I said, okay, um, how you tell, you're the numbers guy. So tell me how I can word this to them. Cause I had never done this before. He's like, okay, it's exactly what you're going to do. They're going to get a 10% return interest only for 12 months while we fix up the property. And then we're going to refinance and we're going to pay them back off. And so I would, I took those and put in quotes and I would go and literally pitch this to people. 
And they were like, really? That's super interesting. Uh, and one of them caught on and then the deal actually it worked out really well. And over the course of those 12 months, they got uh, their payments, they were paid back. And then we held this 10 unit property. Um, and then from there, it just kept snowballing. I'm like, this is genius. <laughs> you said Lunaburg. So you're Fitchburg, Lunaburg area. So is that uh, where you yeah. were buying? Or that's not? where, uh, this one was in Air, Massachusetts, but that's where I grew up. So, gotcha. What were the yeah. first deal? The one I was curious on an because even back then it was a uh, uh, Massachusetts, uh, New England generally is a hot market, yeah. you know, expensive yep. market. What yep. what market were you finding a hundred twenty five dollar deal in? So that was Fitchburg. Fitchburg. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, that town. property today is probably three hundred thousand, and I sold it at like two fifteen. So if I had held it for another year or another three four years, it would have been another hundred thousand dollars. But at the time, selling that property propelled me to buy the next one, which allowed me to buy the next one. Um, I've never regret ever selling a property because the capital that it's produced me has allowed me to amplify that much faster mm. than having it sit there. Makes so, sense. Yeah. When who, who I managed that, that 10 unit for you though, in Pittsburgh. So um, my partner had a management company at the time. So he, um, his management company um, absorbed it. Nice. Okay. I'm, I'm typing a grant here. It's Fitchburg. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Got it. Got if it. You've never been a New Englander. Yeah. If you've never been to Pittsburgh, you don't ever have to go. So don't worry about it. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> off the list. Well, Great. it's funny. The, the, when I lived there, I, I used to go to this RIA meeting in uh, Chelmsford and um, uh, at a holiday inn or something like that. And the only market that seemed like, and it was around 2016, 2017, the only market that seemed like that was doable in Metro Boston was Fitchburg. But I thought, yeah, but I mean, is it like gang buy? Am I buying D-class yeah. crap property? And, you know, I mean, it's college, yes, but there's a mm -hmm. bad side to that town as well. But to your point, probably, probably a good market to have gotten into back in 2016, 2017. Yeah, it, it worked out. I, I still think Fitchburg is not the greatest area, but like any like any town in any yeah. inner city area, you can make things work. Uh, so it's just, you know, a matter of finding a deal and, and making sure your strategy works uh, and, and, and start wherever you can start too, right? Exactly. That's where you could start. So mm -hmm. now maybe you don't invest there, but great place for you to start. Absolutely. And I still wouldn't, I actually still would invest there um, because, you know, they've, they've been pumping money into that city in particular. Um, it's still not great, but I know it like the back of my hand, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm very comfortable. I know which streets are good, which streets are bad. I know what the value is going to be when it's done. Like I just, you know, once you start to, once you know that stuff, Yep. Um, it's, you know, it's a little bit easier to make things work in the little rougher area. Yeah. What, uh, let's get into scaling. Uh, cause I mean, I, I've just, I'm blown away at the size of your portfolio with the age you're at and in the markets that you're in. So there's a lot there and you mentioned networking. So there's, there's, I'm sure a lot of variables here. Mm -hmm. What has been the, what has been the number one ingredient? Would you say to your ability to scale? You're talking about partnering. I, yeah. I don't know. Is that, is that it? Like, Tell us about your your strategy, whether it was intentional or not. But mm -hmm. what is the strategy you've deployed in order to scale the 200 plus units? So I have purchased a good amount of property by myself. But the only reason I've been able to do that is because of the partnerships that I did when I was first starting. And so partnering for me was enormous because I didn't have cap. Like we talked about before, I didn't have capital or I didn't grow up in a wealthy environment where I had a you know disposable income. I mean, when I graduated PA school, uh, I was working in an ICU. I was making like 125 grand a year, which by all means is not bad for 26, 25, 26 years old. However, to be buying million, $2 million, $3 million properties, like you, there's no way you're going to save up the amount. Of, you just can't do it, right? So I was partnering with people who had capital. And so 
I got really good at finding deals and that's people know me as like the guy who has deals. And so I got really good at finding multifamily deals in a handful of markets in the Northeast. And what I would do was I would take those deals and bring them to people who had capital or bring them to people who had experience. And so between those two avenues, I was able to scale really quickly and, you know, basically own 50% of, of all these deals, whether I was the one running it or whether I was the one bringing the deal to a money partner, um, or bringing it to somebody who had both experience and the money and by, by supplying the deal, because these, they're really, you know, such great deal. They were willing to say, okay, we'll get, you know, you, you know, you stay on, you'll learn a little bit here and there. You retain 50% of this deal. I'll bring the money. Uh, we'll have this manager manage it and I'll, you can learn from me. Um, and looking back, on it, I'm super thankful for these partners because I, I don't necessarily know it was the best decision for them at the time to give up 50% of a deal. But I've also brought every one of those partners like five to 10 deals each since then. And so looking back, they have probably looked at, I know that they look at me a little much differently than they would have just any other person bring them a deal. I think they saw that, okay, he's going to bring me way more than just this one deal in the future. Uh, and so I'm going to give him the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to retain this. And, and by doing that, I was able to, you know, start driving my income up, um, which allowed me to then start buying things on my own. Um, so. Wow. But yeah, so if we're talking about the one thing, I would say that networking uh, and partnerships combined yeah. really took me from zero to a uh, hundred really quickly. Talk about partnerships for a second, because that's a that's a touchy subject for a lot of people. Like you know, mm -hmm. the pressure of it. What if it's the wrong partner? You know, you hear horror stories about partnership breakups yeah. and all of that. Um, do you always have success? Have you had any bad stories? I'm kind of looking. Let's let's tease out a little bit of uh, of uh, what have you learned about partnerships along the way. So like I talked about before, I'm very, I have a high risk tolerance. Okay. And so that first 10 unit, I didn't really know Mike that well, other than I know he's killing it in real estate and I'm not. And so I'm going to leverage his ability um, and his knowledge. And so we, I just jumped right in. I, you know, I, I thankfully it went well um, with him and most of that, like, I would say all of them have gone fairly well, except for one partnership. And even that one partnership, you know, I still talk to those people today and I'm still friendly with them. It's not like, you know, you get in like this duel and you never, I, I've never had that issue before because I'm just not that type of person either. If something goes, you know, negative, I always try to say, okay, like it's all, it's, it's my fault anyways. So why am I going to get mad at this person? I'm the one who jumped into the partnership with them in the first place, whether they did something wrong or not, it's still my fault. And so I, I, I look at everything and from that lens. And so, you know, will I partner with that, those, that couple again? Absolutely not. <laughs> but am I still friendly with them? And did I learn my lessons? Absolutely. Uh, and so from a partnership standpoint, I am a big proponent of it. And I think people, you know, maybe start small, maybe don't just jump into a 10 unit right away like I did. But if you know, if you can do a, a duplex together or not even that, you can just go out to lunch a couple of times with somebody that you think you want to partner with and just learn how they how they react to things and learn how they um, you know, they analyze things and how they think and what their goals are. Um, the, the biggest reason why Mike and I jumped in as partners together is because his goal was to make a bunch of money at a young age and live a, you know, an abundant life and not have to go to a job. And he was already doing that. And so I watched that and I saw that and I'm like, okay, literally that's what I want to do. Uh, and so I jumped in, um, trusting him and, and yeah, I, I think you have to, how can you not trust somebody and, and until you, till they fail you uh, essentially. Right. So, um, that's been my motto. 
good or no, bad. I like that. It's worked out so far. So I think you're right. It's like the, the who is the person versus how, how like it's not. It's not, uh, would they be a good partner in the terms of like, oh, well, they have great business sense. They have this, they have that. I mean, that's all good. Mm -hmm. But to your point, like, who are they? How are they? How do they react? Yeah. How do they treat the server at the at the table? Right. Exactly. Like those little things are what are what I think essential in analyzing a partnership, would you say? Yeah, I, I think in, in real estate specifically, your um the relationships you build are way more important than a single deal that you do with somebody. Uh and so hundred percent. You can just, I think Brandon says it all the time. The way they do anything is the way they do everything. Right. And so mm -hmm. exactly the way they treat the waiter, you know, do they give them a tip? You know, is it a 2% tip or is it a 20% tip? Just stuff like that. Um, you'll, you'll start aligning yourself with people who are, are similar to you. You start attracting um, similar people to you. And so um, from there, you can see if it's going to work out. Um, now it may not always work out. Um, like, like I said, I, I've had one partnership where it didn't work out so well. Um, but again, it's not the end of the world. Just move on and you're on to the next one. So anything you do specifically in structuring partnerships now, maybe different than what you had in the past, or, I mean, you know, obviously you have an OA and all that stuff, but are there any nuances that you've learned maybe from that one sort of pseudo bad partnership, anything that you've done differently going forward? Not from a documentation standpoint, it's really more of, uh, none of, none of the partnerships have ever been the same. Um, so it's, it's all about creativity because not everybody want not every not every partner is aligned in the same um goals for the for a deal so for example i've partnered with people who want absolutely nothing to do with the deal whatsoever um actually one of my partners we, we we've bought a bunch of properties together he brings the money to the table he has never even google mapped these properties he literally could care less what they look like he doesn't care at all he just trusts me uh and so you know our structure is much different than somebody who wants to be hands-on and so, it, yeah, it, it really, you just have to like feel the vibe of what the other person wants and just come to a mutual agreement with them. Got it. Management today. What does that look like? Do you own it? Do you third party it? What, is, what does that whole structure look like? I've looked into starting a management company a bunch of times, but I, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around the how it's a small, first of all, small profit margin. And second of all, you've got to have like thousands of units, yeah. at least from my perspective, um, for it to start actually making sense. And so I've always just used third party, but I've stayed on top of those third party people really like probably too much. Like they'll get a text from me like every couple of days. And I'm sure they're thinking to themselves like this kid just doesn't leave me alone. Um, but if I didn't do that, then yeah. I don't, I, who knows? Like they could, could run rampant and have a bunch of vacancies. And, you know, I, so I, I like to manage uh, the manager essentially. Yeah. You, another option that I've seen this done uh, somewhat successfully is you don't do anything with your property, start a company and just let your wife work her ass off on it. That's what I would do. And I've seen that model work out. Uh, with I forget who who was that Grant? Yeah, yeah, he's he's trying to be funny here. Yeah, that's just that's the problem we're in right now, and that's what we're trying to build out of. Like forty one units we're at, and like we manage everything, and we started just like you, man, no money at all. So when you're saying like I had two grand in the bank account, that's no shit because I'm laughing, going, yeah, I I feel your pain, and yeah. um, we've built this monster now. And now it's like, how do we get out of it? So yeah. my wife, luckily now is in a position, she took over the management part of it. So I do, thank goodness, get to do stuff like this and work on other things, but we got to get out of that. So that's why this is like very beneficial to me, how to yeah. get out of that. 
I've always valued the amount of time that I spend in anything I'm doing more than mm-hmm. anything else. And so I will gladly give five to 10% of a profit if it's there to a manager to step back and go biking, hang out with my family, whatever it is, right? Just, I don't really like, cause I'll use that time to go find another deal, which will yeah. more than make up for that five to 10% that somebody else is going to manage the property for. Uh, and so, yeah, I just, having people in place that you can rely on to, to handle your properties, even though you're the owner of it, um, having people in the position where they can sort of look out for it, um, you know, having electricians and plumbers and managers and mm-hmm. handymen where you can just tap on and say, Hey man, can you go check this out? Um, and, and, you know, and handle it. So you don't have to actually go there and do that kind of stuff um, is huge. Any, uh, any secrets? I, I like to ask investors this because I know many are struggling with this, but any secrets to, uh, finding the contractor, keeping costs down on rehabs or renos or anything like that. Is there anything that you've done you feel like that's because uh, you're a hustler? I get that impression, right? Like I'm yeah. going to write 750 letters yeah. by hand, and then you know I'm going to bring 10 deals to this person, right? Like you always, you're that entrepreneur. You find a way, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. Maybe and I think it'd be very hard to, but maybe you've got the secret. What have you done, if anything, to find the contractors to keep people motivated, to keep them coming back to the job, to keep costs down, all of that stuff? I don't have a secret at all. In fact, that's a struggle and it will always be a struggle. I think that's probably like that, the crux in real estate investing. You can buy a really good deal, have, you know, on paper, a super good, you know, really good numbers. Um, Everyone can be happy. And then you have a crappy manager in there and it's like, okay, well, I got four vacancies. It's been four months. How can you not fill these things? And it's like, so for me, that's why I just, I complete, I just bombard people all the time, you know, texts, emails. I'm super nice about it. Um, but I really, um, people like people know me as the guy who is consistently like poke, like I consistently just keep nagging people, um, and things get done. Uh, believe it or not, if you sit back, people, you know, people are like, oh, yeah. I don't care that much. Um, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll get to it at some point. Absolutely not. Like I, I am on top of for everything I do. Um, and it might be annoying to most, but I, again, I don't really care. Like I'm the owner of these properties. If, if I need, you know, if I have a vacancy for three months for three months, that's, you know, five grand. Right. So, I mean, you got to stay on top of this. Um, I don't have any secrets. No, I've, I've had crappy ones across the board and I'm, I, I'm still not like pleased with everything that all the managers do at all times. And it's just a learning experience. Just, you know, some are good. Yeah. Some aren't. <laughs> just no, no I, com- I completely get, you know, it's funny, seriously being down here in the Dominican, um, there's no shortage of labor. Right. It's it's a different world in that regard. Yeah. In fact, there's an abundance of labor. I was telling Grant that there's a right now I'm looking out of that they're building a pool, an in-ground pool that's going to be done tomorrow, maybe today. Uh, it started two weeks ago, two weeks ago, an in-ground pool. It's going to be done today. Right. So and it's not big. Don't get me wrong, but they tiled it. That yeah. The whole thing is done in two weeks. Doug poured the whole nine ready to go. Um, and I was telling him, like, I think I told this to you, Grant, like if one of these guys got hurt or, you know, didn't want to work or whatever, <laughs> drag them off the job site and there's five behind them, you know, yeah. uh, and what they get paid is almost nothing, you know, yeah. like it's it's hundreds of dollars a month to do this kind of work. It, yeah. It's it's amazing to think about. It. This goes into a whole topic of like immigration and all yeah. of that stuff. But in the world, there are people that want to work. Yeah. And we're in a country that has gone fully white collar. So it's like, I mean, there's got to be a path. There's got to be a path because like a, a lot of the, the labor solutions exist in Mexico, the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic, you know, right. other places like that where people are glad to work and that should be paid a living wage if they're if if they're if it can be done safely for them. 
not having yeah. to pour across the border and be taken advantage of, yeah. but safely come across with skills and get employed at, you know, with with uh, regulations in place, minimum wages and all of that stuff. There's a there's a, a ton. I, there's so much labor here. They follow you around at stores like they have nothing else to do. Like it's it's awkward. Like I'll go into a store and they just stand there like staring at me. I'm like, is there a problem? But then I see them with everybody. That's how much labor there is. That's how much people wow. want to work. So yeah. anyway, just an interesting aside. Uh, you're, you're not just in multifamily. So you pivoted to things like flipping and all of these other things. Like why, why, why are you doing all these other things? Is it, is it cause you're, you're risk, risk, not risk averse and like hell with it. Let's go. Like give us the pivot. Why? Okay. So the real reason why I start, so I still buy a ton of multifamily and that's really the, the bread and butter like we talked about, but I wanted to stop doing 24 hour shifts in an ICU and working overnights and not sleeping and not having a schedule. And, um, you know, like guys, I remember a time walking into a patient's room at two o'clock in the morning, uh, thinking of my thinking like, okay, how am I going to close this next deal? What do I have to do? And there's a patient in front of me who's yeah. on a ventilator. Like this person's like, like, I can't be doing this. Like I wasn't thinking about this. It's just not fair. Right. And so, um, I went home that next day and I'm like, multifamily is great. And it makes some money, but it takes a long time yeah. to build up a portfolio. And I'm That's never going to use the cash flow to live off of. So I'm like, where is this going? Like, what am I actually doing here? Uh, and so then I I, I got in, involved in a mastermind uh, here in Rhode Island. And, you know, these guys were like, dude, you're coming across so many deals that you don't actually take down. Why don't you just start flipping some of them, wholesaling them, maybe collect the finder's fee here and there. Um, and so I started doing that and I just immediately, like in like a month replaced my PA income and I'm like, Holy, like what the F right. <laughs> so then it was from there, it was like, okay, in three or four months, I had like eight X my PA income and I'm like, all right, there's something to this. And so, um, so yeah, that's why I'll just, I don't do a ton of them, but enough to, um, be able to buy more property at a faster rate, um, yeah. than my PA salary. And not to mention I stay home, right? Like I'm home. I've got freedom. I can go where I want, when I want. I don't, I'm not tied down to working in the hospital for 24 hours in a row, uh, coming home and having the whole next day wasted, tired, like, you know, so a huge, um, advantage to do, to having an active income like that. Um, so a lot of people say, Oh, you quit your job and you're living off of rentals. Absolutely not. Like whoever says they're living off of yeah. the cash flow from rental properties, like, dude, yeah, I don't know how you do it. Cause if you do it, you got to teach me because it's, I, I don't see how it's possible. Yeah. especially if you don't have the money to buy them yourself. If you're raising money and you're, you know, you're doing rehabs, like, okay, 10, 15 grand a unit, that is your, but that's your year's cash flow gone in one deal. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, so I, I had to find a way to start making more money. Uh, so that's what that's, I did. That's yeah. the, that's like the trap we fell into as well. Like uh, financial freedom, right? Everybody preaches yeah. about that. Like, that's what you need to get to. We got to it. And then looked around and went, shit, we don't have any vertical income, you know? So it's yeah. it's exactly what you said. Everybody does think, oh man, you're loaded now. Well, you know, it's a decent net worth, but you can't eat. Correct. Net worth. I was just going to say, so from a net worth standpoint, buying multis is amazing. Like yeah. you can scale that very quickly. However, you can't support a lifestyle that you want to live, living off of rentals. You, it's literally, you just can't do it. So a lot of people say, okay, you know, what would you have done differently if you were to start in real estate? And to be honest with you guys, I probably would have started flipping first and drove that income in. So I could have scaled the rental and, and, you know, 
not passive, but you know, the, the net worth area a lot faster. I would have delayed that just a little um, because you have to have some sort of cash machine coming in. Um, yeah. Otherwise you're going to, you stop, you can't, you, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I just can't wrap my head around so the true. whole live off a of cash flow concept. I just don't Listen, get it. I, on, on paper, I look, I look all right. Right. To your point, like yeah, I've got I'm, right. quantum to your point, quantum capital, the, I'm, I'm in partnership with that. That's my wealth builder. It ain't a cash cow. We get some acquisition mm-hmm. fees, but that's not, mm-hmm. that's not like, you know, move to the Dominican type of stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. emerge and ascend my business with that, my brand yeah. and what that, mm-hmm. you know, affiliate fees I derive from that. Uh, you know, even GoBundance being a member ambassador and bringing members into GoBundance, yeah. like that's yeah. active income. That's the right. stuff that I take. And then I take that money and I invest passively in any deals. And I'm also a GP in any deals. But I look on paper, I just did my one sheet for Q4. like, not bad. I like when I add up what I'm doing with quantum and all of what I own with quantum, yeah. but I don't see anything like there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing paying the rent out here. You know, that's all yeah. from the active work. So I think that's great wisdom, man. That's yeah. incredible wisdom. Yeah, I, I I I heard somebody say it too, and and um when I first started, I'm like, no, I'm gonna buy a bunch of rentals. Like that's definitely the way to go. And I probably wouldn't have changed it because I learned a ton. But if I look back, I, I you know I thought, okay, I really wish I had that cash monster to start uh, and learned how to do all that kind of stuff before, so then I could use you know then I wouldn't have to worry about raising a ton of money, right? Maybe I still would have, but I'd have my own capital, and I mm-hmm. more importantly, I would have had cash in the bank to feel like, okay, I can buy another property. And, and if a roof goes, I'm good. When I was oh, yeah. starting, it was like, if a roof goes right now, I am going to be digging for gold somewhere. I might yeah. just run away. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And the wind uh, blows and you're scared to death, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a storm. You're like, oh no. Yeah. yeah I know. But part, part of it going through that phase um, really taught me how to, um, so now that there is cash coming in, like guys, I don't, I live on cheap, cheap, cheap. I've got a, you know, a, a truck that is pretty much paid off. You know, my wife drives a Mazda. Like we just, we're, we live very, you know, below our means, like very below our means. Um, and at some point, maybe that will change, but I never want to feel that, um, you know, the press and, and the stress of, of, of being cash strapped when you're, when, you ha- when you're responsible for multiple millions of dollars worth of real estate. Uh, and so uh, I don't know when that will be, but <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. With, with the deal flow that you get, and then we'll we'll pivot off and, and talk mm-hmm. a little bit more holistically about things. But with the deal flow that you get, you mentioned you flip some, you wholesale some, yeah. you take a finder's fee on some. Mm-hmm. What goes to my mind is why wouldn't you just be wholesaling and doing finder's fees? Why would you flip anything? When do you? How do you make that decision? That's a good question. Um, I personally think that flipping, well, maybe not anymore because things have kind of, at least where I, the market I'm in, things are just like sitting like open book. I have eight properties on the market that are just sitting that have not sold that they're all, that are all flips. None of those are wholesales. And so for a while flipping was the way to maximize the amount of profit you can make on a property. Um, it wasn't as fast, you know, five, six months down the line, but you could really pull out every piece of every dollar out of that property by, you know, making it really nice and, and um, you know, essentially selling it for market value versus wholesaling them. I'm also not really like a wholesaler at heart. Like I, I build relationships with these off market, you know, sellers. Right. And so a lot of them are mom and pop people and I'll go meet them and I will build a relationship with them. And I, the last thing I want to do is try to say, okay, I'm actually not going to be the one buying it. I'm actually going to assign this um, contract to somebody. And so it, I have a hard time with that line there. And so I prefer to just close on the property. And then if somebody wants to buy it, I'll just sell it immediately after. 
Um, so I prefer to double close and then do all that kind of stuff if we're actually going to get into wholesaling. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's why. Um, fortunately, I'm not over leveraged on those flips that are just sitting there, so I'm not too worried about them. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's essentially the concept. So. I, no, I love what you said. I'm not a wholesaler at yeah. heart, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's just not who you want to be. It's not the identity that you have. Like, you you don't you don't love that. That you know, that, I think that's yeah. really good wisdom. I, I, like, actually, I don't think there's anything wrong with wholesaling at all. No, I, no, you right. just have to have your business set up correctly where you are an open book with your, um, you know, your sellers. Um, I have a good buddy out here. His name's CJ Moss. He's probably the largest wholesaler in Rhode Island, Massachusetts yeah. area. Yeah. Um, he's unbelievable. Like he'll go to a, sh- a showing and he'll just be like, listen, I'm not going to buy the property. I'm going to make you a cash offer. But if that person, if the, if my buyer doesn't close on it, I will buy this property from you. And he has like, he will just buy the property. Even if it doesn't even make sense, he'll just buy it because he sticks with his word. And if that's your wholesaling model, beautiful. Then I, then, you know, crush it. But there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, I'm going to be the buyer. And then, you know, you get to the closing table and it's like, <laughs> who's yeah. this? Yeah. Right. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. Got it. Yeah. It gives it kind of a dirty name. So yeah, exactly. G dubs. You're, you're the multifamily guy before we kind of turn off and talk about another yeah. topic here. Is there any other questions you have? Um, I just want to know, are you still doing direct mail? Is that still like your, and yes. what do you do? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I've had a, you know, not that I'm trying to monetize a course here, but I've been doing direct mail for seven years and I've had thousands of people ask me how to find deals like this, literally. And I just like, I can't spend the time to, t- so I actually, over the last couple of months, I set up my camera and I just spent like three and a half hours just talking about, this is what I do. This is who I use. This is exactly how to do it. Here's all the letters that I send. If you actually want to learn, just take this package and just go do what you want with it, right? Because um, I still do it today. Like I've sent 6,000 letters out this month. Um, so I send quite the amount of direct mail out across three states. And um, I probably won't stop. And we can talk about it a little bit, but a lot of people think direct mail is sort of dying dying off. Um, I actually like that because there's less mail in people's mailboxes. So when someone goes to open their mailbox and your letter is one of two pieces of mail in there, they're probably going to open your letter. And if you make it really personal and it's a white letter and it's handwritten on the front and it doesn't look like it's mass produced, they're they're definitely opening that letter. And if there's any inkling in their in their brain that hey maybe I want to sell, you're going to be the guy that they they call first. Uh, and so I've had a lot of success using direct mail in it, it, not just for multifamily for for flips for. Um, literally net, networking. I, I sent out a bunch of letters one time and instead of saying, Hey, I want to buy your property. I said, Hey, I see that you own, you know, 10 unit property at so-and-so I'm trying to get to that position. Um, you know, I'd love to send you more deals. Right. So in my letter, I literally said, I'm a deal finder to them and I'm trying to find more deals. You own a property that I come across. Can I bring you more deals? So essentially the concept I was getting across. I had like 50 people out of like 350 letters call me back saying, I've never received a letter like this before. Um, you know, are you a wholesaler? And I'm like, no, man, I just come across a bunch of deals like people who like you who call me back. Um, so if you're ever interested, I'd love to pass you some deals. Uh, and so by doing that, I, my, my network of people just like 10 X in like a, a month. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, just, I, I use direct mail from a bunch of different lenses other than just trying to buy deals. So it just unlocks questions. Awesome. What do you do when you pass it through? Do you take a fee or what does that look like? You can't like legally say, you know, uh, pay me a finder's fee. Um, but a lot of people will be like, here's five grand. Here's, here's 10 grand. Yeah, Thank you. Got it, got it. Uh, and so I've you're just done, adding value. You're just adding value. And, and you 100%, get that. yeah, I mean, I've done probably 15 of those this year. 
and wow. it heads up really quickly. Uh, yeah. And so, and it's not even for money, right? Like that person, like I become friends with these people uh, and then it's okay. Maybe we'll partner on something or, Hey man, do you know a really good agent in this market? Or do you know an attorney who can handle this kind of stuff? And so you, ha- you just have like so much knowledge at your fingertips when you, when you're able to network like that. Great. I remember we had uh, Aaron Caterberg on, what did he say? J O Y, right. It was a bit more religious, but it was like Jesus, yeah. others, you, right. Yeah. And you're kind of, yeah. I, I don't know, Jesus is in there, whatever, but others. <laughs> and then you, right. Like you, yeah. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You're just, Hey, how can I, how can I help? And what I like about that too, is it's not like, I hate the question. How can I add value? I've always hated that question because yeah. it's like the, the person on the other end is like, I don't know. I don't know anything about you, exactly. but if you say I find deals and I, I would gladly pass you deals because I like building my network and I don't know where it leads, but I just trust in the fact that if I add value to you, that makes for a better life for me than others, you, right? So you're, you're absolutely, uh, you've monetized yeah. giving in, yeah. a, in the greatest way possible. It's funny you say that. I've got a buddy and if he's listening to this, uh, whatever, he can talk to me about it after. Uh, but um, <laughs> he, you know, he's, he's all the time. He's like, listen, man, I want to get into real estate. What can I do to help you? Like, what can I do to grow your, you know, help you? And I'm like, dude, like, I don't know if I knew yeah. I would have already hired somebody and I would already have taken care of it. Right? Like, I don't know. So, and, and no business owner really knows, you know, if somebody says, Hey, how, what can I help you with? It's okay. If you actually bring me something that's helpful. Well, now if I, if, you know, if I look at that and I say, well, wow, that actually is really helpful. Like, like, come here, let's, let's do more of this. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like, it's hard to answer that question. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is your yellow letter, your, your direct marketing campaign, not yellow letter, your direct marketing campaign, uh, 6,000 letters go out. Can you just give us a quick rundown of like, you mentioned it's working. Like what does working mean? Like how many callbacks, how many deals, all of that stuff. Okay. So I've been asked this a lot too, and it's so difficult to come up with, okay, what percent are you getting that's actually turning into a deal? And so I don't really want to give like specific numbers on that, but I will say that on average, if I send a thousand letters out, I will have a solid opportunity to buy a property on. And so I come across five or six deals a month, typically, whether I buy them or whether I pass them on to somebody mm-hmm. else. Um, like, like I said, I've done 21 deals this month from, or this year from direct mail. Uh, and so that's, what's that? Oh, I don't know, three to four deals that I yeah. personally bought a month, essentially. Uh, and so another three to four that I brought other people. And so... Wow. I try to, I, I try not to go much more than that because I get, you start to get a lot of calls back where it's like, you know, you just, you know, F you stops you just sent this yeah. to me. And I'm like, I don't really care. Like I'll keep sending them. Um, but I, in my market where Rhode Island's really small, Massachusetts, not that big, New Hampshire's not that big. If I just keep sending these, it's, it's hard to find that frequency where the capital you're spending on these letters um, is worth the return that you're getting in, uh, in actual leads and deals. And so um, it's really hard to give a number um, on that, but now that makes sense. How are you getting to owners? Like, are you using Rihanna, some sort of technology? How are you finding owners in multifamily? That's a good question. So for larger multi, so if you're trying to find like an apartment a building, like 10 units, 12 units, um, because in the Northeast, there's not that many hundred unit buildings. Most of them are chopped up 12 unit buildings where it's like, how is this even a frame unit? Um, CoStar is really good for that because you know it's, it's probably the most accurate commercial real estate um, software out there. But if you're looking for threes, fours, fives, even like eight unit buildings, PropStream is actually really good. Um, list sources is pretty good. The problem is like a lot of these people hide behind LLCs, right? Like we all do. And so when you send a letter, it goes to the LLC. So a lot of time it's a PO box and um, you know, an administrator looks at it and tosses it in the trash. Right. So 
what I've learned to do, which takes a lot of time, and I have my virtual assistant doing, is taking those LLCs and going on to Massachusetts or Rhode Island, New Hampshire, wherever it is, looking on the SEC, looking up the LLC owner, looking up their address, and then adjusting the list to have that address in it, um, which has really ramped up the return on, on letters because it's going to their home. Right. And a lot of a lot of times you don't receive a letter um, if you uh, if you're sitting behind an LLC who owns a property. Uh, and so, yeah, interesting wow. little tip. So if anyone's doing direct mail, definitely try that. Well, I'm adding this up now. CoStar ain't cheap. Sending 6,000 letters a month ain't cheap. I mean, you've got a business here with real expenses, real, real volume and everything else. You mentioned a VA. Just very curious about your your team. You've got uh, management, I understand, is third party. Mm-hmm. But who mm-hmm. works for you, if anybody? So it's so third party management. I've got three VAs. One of them masters the direct mail. One of them's cold calling, which honestly isn't working that well. Probably because partly because of me, because I never did it myself. So I don't really know how to train her on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see how that happens. And then another one just started to do social media. And then I've got a bookkeeper. Um, and then I, I like to partner a lot. So we've got what four, four or five. So I've got three VAs, a bookkeeper, a third party manager, and then I partner with a bunch of people. So for the most part, I try to run it as lean as I can. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and then, yeah, eventually it'll be at the point where it's okay. I'm going to need an acquisitions manager. Um, you know, project manager for all of this. Um, but that's where what is all this? I mean, you're 28, just got married. It sounds like I'm sure there's the discussion of kids and all that stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got a, you've got a long life to go and you've all, you started so fast in this industry, which is inspiring. What is all of it for? What, what is the, what's the life vision? What's the goal? What's the outcome? What's five years from now look like? I mean, not, I don't care so much about like, Oh, my portfolio will be X or I'll have this net worth. But I mean, like, What's the life that you're aiming for by 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 doing what you're doing? That's such a difficult question to answer because it always changes. So initially it was, okay, how can I get out of my job? Yeah. And then I got out of my job and then it was like, okay, what's next? And then it was, okay, then it became a monetary number, right? So how can I make X amount of money per month across rentals, flipping and wholesaling? And then once I hit that, it's like, okay, can I hit this? And so, and it's not, it doesn't come from like a greed standpoint. It comes from a... Okay, like I get like a high off of building this up um, and turning it into this like machine. And so, um, you know, I'm already home. I I don't, you know, there's there's not a lot left where I from a from a lifestyle perspective where um, that what I've done so far isn't allowing me to do. Like if I want to go away for you know a month somewhere, I can do that. If I want to go take the day off and go mountain biking, I can do that. Right, like that's what it's allowed me to do thus far. But at some point, it, like that's that's the money portion, right? The money allows you to do that. But then there's the other aspect where it's like, okay, I need to be fulfilled, like personally. And right. so to do that, I like building things. And so continuously building up a business and, and having different legs of it and, and having employees and being responsible for that kind of stuff is, is fulfilling to me. Uh, and so whether I have, you know, we'll have kids at some point, I'm sure. Um, my wife still works in a hospital. Like she likes it. That's, that's her job. She, does she have to? Absolutely not. Um, but she doesn't have the, you know, the ex- extreme interest in building a business and, and growing, um, this monster like I do. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, it's hard to answer that's that question. Answer. No, that's a great answer. You love building things. You know, it's the the old adage. Maybe it's cliched. You know, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life or that kind of thing. Yep. So you're yep, exactly. you're building businesses that gives you fulfillment. If you're focused on fulfillment, 
God be with you, man. That's an amazing mm-hmm. thing to, to yeah. have in your life. So, I mean, a lot of people can't say that they wake up every day and they're genuinely happy with what they do. Like I, I, I truly believe a lot of people just aren't that happy. And I was one of those people when I had to go work a 24 hour shift, like I was miserable. Like you walk into a hospital and everyone's got a frown on their face. They're like, God, you know, screw this. Mm-hmm. This is dumb. I don't want, I'm like, why am I here? Uh, and then once I stopped and I was able to do this, I wake up at four o'clock in the morning every day with a smile on my face. I'm in the gym. I love my life. Like I, it's awesome, right? Like it's, it's, it's a fulfilling feeling to be in that position. Uh, and so I, I would, I hope a lot of people can take um, sort of what I'm, what I'm saying here to heart and actually try to, um, you know, utilize it and, and take some action from it. I, uh, Garrett and I had a conversation uh, about that, like waking up every day. He was kind of in that mode. I don't have to remember the script, yeah. but like of not feeling great about every yeah. day. So I gave him, uh, I gave him this advice and he did it. He took out all mirrors in his house. Life satisfaction went way up. It was incredible. You remember this, this show is going downhill quick, <laughs> you know? Oh man. Uh, I just yeah. had to bust your chops. It's a Friday as we record this. Yeah. I, I was waiting. I thought it was going to be good. Cause we have talked. It about was good. Things. You've, you've helped me with some things and I'm like, Oh, he's going to have a good point here. Do you want to share? Is there something in that regard that you'd like to share or no? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> just about, uh, just about like, uh, keeping me motivated. You've, you've done Same. that. So I thought you're going to go down that route where you've caught me like in a rut and said like, Hey dude, I know your goals and dreams. And I, I know you're not, you're not where you need to be. So you need yeah. to do X, you know, so we, we've yeah, done that. You did that for me yesterday, honestly. Yeah. So that we do that for each other. All joking aside. I love yeah. the guys as ugly that's, as he might be. Um, <laughs> question on GoBundance, then we'll wrap this up. So you joined, you I think within the last year, mm-hmm. I like to ask guys like, you know, what's the experience been? What value do you derive from being a member? What maybe surprised you? Anything you want to share in that regard? So, um, all right. So the reason I really joined GoBundance, um, when I joined this, mastermind here in Rhode Island. Um, I'll never forget showing up to the first meeting and we went around the room saying, okay, what are your goals for 2000, uh, whatever, 2020, 2021, right? Um, and I said, I want to hit 250 units. And so I thought that was a pretty big goal. And the guy next to me goes, I want to make a million dollars a month. And the guy after that goes, I, I've already made $2 million. I'm trying to get to 10 before the end of the year. And I'm like, what the, who, like, this is insane. Right. And so after that, like I said, my income 8X, I partnered with every one of those, all five of those guys, I've partnered with them multiple times on multiple deals already. Wow. And like, so getting in the room with these types of people, it just elevates your your thermostat, right? Like you have no option. Like I can't yeah. show up to this meeting in the same position I was last time because I know this guy made a freaking million dollars like, like last month, right? Like how can you show up and not have crushed it this past month? And so... By doing that, I, I started, you know, thinking to myself, like, hey, I know what GoBundance is and I've, I've heard about it. I've, you know, I know some guys in it. Um, why don't I just do it? And so once I joined GoBundance, similar, similar situation, right? Like um, we've got like this local GoPod that, you know, that we're all in. And so, you know, I've had deals where, you know, uh, past deals to these, these guys, and I would have never been able to do that if I wasn't involved um, in, in this mastermind. Uh, and so being around, it, it's really all about just getting in the room whether you have to pay for it or whether it's free, just get in the room with people doing things so much bigger than you. Um, That's really um, the key to um, really success in general. Like no one can do it on their own. You have to have people around you. And so getting in these masterminds and these groups is huge. Um, It allows you to do all that kind of stuff. 
I'm so happy for you that you've learned. I mean, I, I'm envious in some mm -hmm. ways. Of, you've learned these lessons so young. Because I, I I remember thinking of masterminds, like I say this to a lot of people, like, is this the Illuminati? Like, what, what are you, you, yeah. you, know, you spread lamb's blood over each other's doors on Tuesday nights? Like, what the hell do you do in a mastermind group, right? But to your point, <laughs> the 10 grand I drop a year plus the events and all that stuff, mm -hmm. I mean, it. It's what I've I've done the math. What did I say, Grant? Like it was like a twenty x return. Like I can yeah. point to the financial return. Let yeah. alone I live in the Dominican Republic and my family's had these adventures. Exactly. And we've done this, that, and the other. Like it normalizes another level of life by dropping ten grand. Like that to me is the greatest investment you can make. Like you said, free whatever it doesn't matter. Get in the room. I just like that. I just like that the room has been made for me. It's yeah. efficient. Yeah. There's the room. There's the values. These are this is what the culture is all about in that room. Here's who's in there. 10 grand, you can join like, oh, okay, cool. I don't have to come up with it. I don't have to find yeah. these people. They're all right there. Excellent. Do you, do you guys know Damon Amato? Oh yeah. Okay. So we just bought a 30, 16 apartment building together in, in a, in a city local. And we're both in GoBundance, right? So it's just a Boston like, guy. Yeah. Yeah. Just from that one deal, like what's $10,000 when you just bought a 36 yeah. apartment building. Right. Yeah. Um, so, out, but outside the money, you start to hang out with these, like a lot of people say, how do I get around you know, wealthy people and how do I learn how to do things? Well, it's very simple. Just start getting around them, do what you need to do. And, and the number one yeah. reason that the only way to do that is again, it comes back to just being really good at something and bringing value to people. Um, Cause then you just, they bring you in. If you have value for somebody, they bring you in and then it, you share it back and forth. Uh, Took me two years to get this guy in two years. Yeah. His life changed in three months. Just yeah. Like I always, I always had that, you know, that the money thing, like, Oh, I don't need to pay for a mastermind. I don't, I don't need. To. And then once I got over that and now I realized like, I didn't truly become an investor until I realized shit, I need to pay for these things. I need to pay for proximity. I need to pay for all this stuff. And it, yeah, yeah. it really has changed my it's life. Funny, Your story is similar to Ryan's in that the pivot point for you, like he went to that meetup in Rhode Island and was around all these high net worth folks. You were at this, you know, high net or a uh, high, uh, uh, whatever, high end multifamily mixer with yeah. private guys with private jets. jets and helicopters. And yeah. right? I rode on a helicopter to the event with my friend who's a, just a baller in multifamily. <laughs> We walked, you know, went through their jets and I'm like, okay, that's it. I need to, I need to be around people like this. And that, that next day I joined GoBundance. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't you think outside of just business though, like you, these are like your best friends now, right? Like all yeah, these yeah. people you never knew before are now your, that you've only known for, it doesn't even have to be 10, 15 years. It's been like yeah. a year or two years. They, they're your best friends now, right? You spend most of your time yeah. with them. Uh, and so that to me is even more valuable than the, than the monetary. Exactly. You know, the yep. biggest part to that, I, I, that's a great point. Cause I, yeah. I mean, I talk to go abundance guys all day. Like that's who I talk to. I, mean, I have my friends yeah. like from my regular life or whatever, but, but there's a, there's a, a, a chipping away when you, when, you know, when you start to diverge or you have diverged from maybe like what you've been, you know, so yeah, I was a kid playing high school sports, whatever, got a job. I was a PA and then mm -hmm. wait a minute, you're going away from that. All the people around you know you for who you've been. And now this other thing that you're doing and when you're having success with it, you become somewhere between, you know, I don't understand it to maybe I don't mm -hmm. like it or, or yeah. you know, you don't have the right to complain anymore. Right. So like when you go to your regular friend group, you, you start chipping away at the percentage of you that you can be like I used to be able to be me, but now me includes this. And because yeah. this isn't understood by you. I'm not allowed to include that because, well, what do you know? Like what, 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 what complaints could you have? You know, you got this yeah. real estate or whatever. Like I don't have any yeah. sleepless nights. Like I'm never afraid of anything. Right. Yeah, and yeah, when yeah. I joined GoBundance, like the ROI that I can't calculate 
because it's incalculable is the ability to like, I posted the other day, I put pictures of this amazing house that we're in, in the GoBundance group, right? Like mm -hmm. most people would see that in my life as bragging and I was celebrating. And, and what did I get as responses of like, amazing, man. Yeah. You deserved it. Like celebration. I could be yeah. all of me here. Yeah. So it's easy to be friends with people where I could be all of me. I don't know right. that resonates. Yeah. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, I think you guys can probably relate to this as well. You, you have a friend group from when you, you know, you grow up or, or wherever you live. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they're your, and there's probably still your, your really good friends. Right. But you're, let's put, put it this way. You're like driving a bus, right. And you've got the people in the front seat and the people in the back seat, the people in the front seat, you hear their conversations, you learn from them, you're, you're being influenced from those people. The people you were friends with before, they don't have to leave the bus. You can still hang out with them. You can still be around with them, but maybe they get pushed to the back of the bus a little bit and you bring up the people who are lifting you up higher, who, who can actually help you grow um, to the front seat. Uh, and so that's what GoBundance and all these masterminds have really done for me. And so, you know, if my friends are from home are listening to this. I don't mean any harm from it, but they, they know, they know, right? Like yeah. one of the guys, one of my buddies named Joey, he reached out to me the other day. He's like, dude, I didn't know why you were buying property at 21. And now I'm here and we're 28 and I'm asking you how the hell to do it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, listen, buddy, I'll talk to you because you're, you're, you know, you're my buddy and I'll, I'll, I'll try to help you as much as I can. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, I prefer to be around people who are aligned with my goals and be around right. people who are going to help me, um, you know, lift me up. So. Ultimate, ultimate in proximity is power. Yes. All right. We, uh, we've definitely drained every ounce of knowledge we can out of you. And I appreciate you being so <laughs> open, man. So let's go to the abundance card game. The six of clubs is the question. It is what is something that you resisted initially that ended up being exactly as you needed? Wow. That's a good question. Um, I think I would say that partnering up, I was, a, you know, initially when I did my first couple of deals, I didn't partner up and I tried to do everything on my own. Like I managed on my own. I was swinging the hammer on my own. Um, I don't necessarily regret it because I learned how to do everything. But if I look back and I'm thinking to myself, like if I had done this way sooner, like partnering and, and, and really leveraging other people, I would have been so much further um, than I am right now. Um, so that, that's really all I can I can think of uh, for that. That's a tough question. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. That is a tough question. That's why I like, I, I love letting, making guys squirm a little bit on that one. I don't yeah. tell you the question in advance, right? I said that at the beginning, like, Ooh, good question. I'm not telling you what it is. Yeah. You uh, can't prepare just, for it. <laughs> I just like yeah. to hear the outcome. So, uh, amazing man, Ryan, where can people follow you, learn more about you website, whatever you want to drop for people to, to, to get sure. to know more about what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So we talked about this before. I have a terrible relationship with social media and content. Um, but over the last two or three months, I've been really trying to ramp that up. And so, uh, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, Instagram and TikTok is RJ Corcoran, my last name, 08. Uh, and then YouTube is just my name. Um, really, the purpose of those is just to do stuff like this, like just push as much content as I can so people can learn. Um, so if you, if you do want to reach out to me, um, Instagram is probably the easiest way. Um, okay. Yeah. Got it. The only 28-year-old in the United States who doesn't like social media, I believe. Yeah, I, I missed that train in high school when everybody else was doing it. I was outside shooting shooting the basketball around. <laughs> Buying apartment buildings is what you were doing. Buying right? apartment, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ryan, man, amazing. Thank you so much for your time and energy today. I love getting to know you more. And uh, yeah, we'll see you at the next event. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. This has been a good time. Later, man.